This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, friends. We are windblown. We are Chiefs fans. What's up? Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Sterling's hair is throwing me off. Are you in Chicago? Are you, Dude, uh, it's... Are you in the front of the Titanic? Has someone been holding you up like this? Uh, what's been going on there? Dude, it's windy as hell outside. I took my dog for W-A-L-K and wow. I almost got blown away. It is... It's warm. That's great. Very windy. Would not want to golf today. Um, my allergies are horrible, but I have a beer from Casey Beer Company, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> we have caught you in a weird part of the off season. Uh, I will say we kind of all feel this way. I think free agency is free agency is kind of over right now. We just wake up going Jadavion Clowney again, like wondering if if he's going to sign. The draft is still three weeks away, even though. Like, I just feel like I see mock draft simulators used, like, by everyone every day. Ugh. Where are we going to be in three weeks? We're going to be, I mean, like, it's just the whole thing's so bananas how long the drama is stretched out. So it doesn't surprise me that you look that way. I tried to tussle myself. If I let it all down, I look like Hagrid, and then I'm just <laughs> going to have to make Harry Potter puns the whole time. So anyway, we are here on a windswept episode of the Arrowheaded Podcast. We're so glad for some of you to join us. YouTube is having some problems today. So we're coming at you with a Facebook video. Of course, if you're audio only, you won't even notice uh, Sterling's hair or our YouTube issues. Um, but some of our commenters are going to be uh, having a hard time until YouTube gets back up. This will eventually be on YouTube. But however you're joining us, we're glad you're here today. Sterling, we got a few things to get to here, ranging from the broken heart of Tyron Matthew to the greatness of Travis Kelsey and a few other things. Uh, one thing that I know is great is a good round of Casey beer. You've already lifted it up. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the sponsor we love so much? Yeah, first off, the Airhead Attic Podcast brought to you by the Casey Beer Company. It's the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City and the only brewery in KC to focus on German beer styles. 
They brew their beer according to the German purity law of 1516, using only four ingredients, malt, hops, water, yeast. It is absolutely delicious. This is the Edelweiss right here. Mm. Edelweiss. Do us a favor, if you can, give KC Beer Co. a shout on Twitter, at KC Beer Co., let them know you heard about their product from the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Keep us in business and dare to beer different. Guys, even if we weren't sponsored by Casey Beer Co., it is phenomenal. You will love it. I love it. Maddie C. loves it. Yes. Yeah, good beer, good people. Uh, we're happy to have a great sponsor versus like, I don't know, like a pineapple on pizza sponsor. Oh, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not doing the show anymore. Fuck you, I Matt. I love pineapple on pizza. I knew it. Pepperoni, pineapple, jalapenos. I knew it. I knew it. It's called Let's a Honolulu Hot Lips. Wow, I'm struggling. Honolulu Hot Lips TM. So I TM'd what? it. Trademarked it. What'd you trademark? I couldn't hear above the... But above you yelling. It's anger. pepperoni, jalapenos, pineapple, Honolulu Hot Lips TM. Trademark. <laughs> Earlier in the chat in our Discord, which we'll tell you about in just a second, uh, I was like, "Hey, you might have any questions for tonight when Sterling and I go live." And then, uh, and then someone said, "What's your favorite pizza toppings?" And I said, "Well, I would, I would have the guts to ask and answer that on the podcast, except." Sterling's the kind of guy who probably likes pineapple on his pizza. And if I hear that we're no longer friends and I'll be uh, enticed to quit the whole thing because he's going to throw down on this like disgusting topping. And then here we are at the top of the hour, like, like it's coming true. Evan Warner in the chat even says like, I knew it. Uh, I called it. So here, like you really it's are in the, the Hawaiian sweetness I don't even care about to the, the spicy with the pepperoni. It's the I combo. Man, no, it's not the combo. It's not. You don't put Skittles on your on on like a a burrito or something. That's well, good just thing so I'm dumb. not putting Skittles on a burrito. Okay, this is this is so dumb. Grow up, Matt. Grow up. Your taste this buds are so childish. Dumb. You probably put ketchup on your macaroni, dude. Look, all I'm saying. Well, that's all I'm saying. I don't even need to worry about it. Whatever. We need to move on from this. I need to. Well, move you're on from heartbroken. This. Tyron Matthews, heartbroken. <laughs> By the way, I just want to talk about because Tyron Matthew says he's heartbroken when he had his interview with Sam McDowell from the Kansas City Star. He quoted as saying, bro, I was depressed, heartbroken, heartbroken. I could not understand it. Uh, to be honest, if they would have offered me Justin Reed's deal, obviously I would have tried to negotiate. But if that's where they drew their line in the sand, I probably would have took it. There's more, he says. We'll get to that in a second. But I don't think he would have taken it. First off, that's where I'm going to start. I don't think Tyron Matthew would have taken Justin Reed's deal. The the fact when he goes, I was heartbroken. Uh, Obviously, I would have tried to negotiate. I probably would have taken it. When a player says, I probably would have taken it, no. The entire offseason, the end of the season, we heard what his number was. We heard he wanted to become the the highest paid safety or at least top three. He was not going to take a Justin Reed contract. To me, that's out of the equation. There was no chance of that happening. I don't know where your thoughts are, but that's my first takeaway was no chance he was taking Justin Reed's contract. Well, I um, I, I, I understand what you're saying and that may – some revisionist history here, right? Like like it's easy for him after the fact. It's easy for Bailey after the fact. By the way, if you say walk, like if I say walk, will that get the attention or is that just you? Say Stop it. being you a dick. It. Don't try and get my dog to get riled up back here. 
All right. Well, you already said pineapple on pizza. So honestly, you know, anything else you say is kind of out the window. So here's what I think. I think I I, I see what you're saying. It's easy for Tyron to say this after the fact and say, hey, I would have signed that. How, How do you not offer that to me? Like, I would be dumbfounded if the Chiefs had not at least floated those kinds of numbers to Tyron's agent representatives beforehand. And just to go, look, is this even in the ballpark? Because this is what we're spending on a safety and see what he has to say about it. So, you know, I mean, whether or not he's lying or whether or not he's like fudging with the numbers here a little bit in some sort of, you know, revisionist history, at the very least, what struck me was not, oh, Tyron would have signed for the same amount. I think what struck me was the way Sam McDowell did a great job here on the piece, by the way. The entire thing's worth a read. It's worth, you know, go to the star, read it yourself. What struck me here, though, was it like it all like it felt like the puzzle pieces really came together because in the piece, if you read the piece, he says, I knew all along I had a feeling that the Chiefs were never going to re-sign me. And I let that get in my head and I kept it from go like it kept me from going all out on the field. And you can say, oh, gosh, you know, like what kind of professional is that? You know, you should. But but like we all do the same thing when we're at work every day. We all have up days and, 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 and down days. We all like so. So in a way, like Tyron's just a real person with with many concerns that come together to affect the way he is and moves about the world. And in this piece, he says, hey, look, knowing that I was basically walking the plank in KC, taking that personally like I do, playing with passion or not having that like I do, allowing emotion to cloud things at times like I do, that explains why things slipped last year. And it became a cycle of I played maybe not the way I should have, and then fans appreciation slip, which only made me more depressed. I mean, it, like when you hear him say it, you're like, man, all that makes a lot of sense. And I don't know what's right or wrong, but at least there's a story that tells what happened. I agree to an extent. Obviously, if you know that you're probably not coming back, it's going to be difficult to give it your all for that team. Right. But if you still want to become the highest paid or a top three safety you're going to give it your all because you know it's a tryout for other teams. So to me, that's a little bit of a revisionist, and you said it earlier, type of history, right? I think part of the reason why the Chiefs didn't offer him the Justin Reed contract was, one, they didn't want to offend him, and two, they want to get younger. Like, as good as Tyron Matthew is and as great as he is between the between the ears, right? Like, he is one of the most mentally smart guys in football. They always talk about how he's – a second defensive coordinator. I think he would be a great defensive coordinator when his NFL career is over. But the Chiefs wanted to get more athletic, and that's what Justin Reed does, right? Justin Reed might not be as versatile, let's say, as Tyron Matthew, as far as all the things that he can do. But Justin Reed is faster. He's quicker. He's younger. If they want to give up less big plays, which has been the Chiefs' MO, right? They got destroyed on big plays last year. Yeah. Get quicker. Don't let people beat you over the top. And that's been the Chiefs' entire offseason game plan. Whether you like it or don't like it, they've gotten younger. Even though Tyreek Hill, I don't think anyone's as athletic as he is, right? They're getting younger at wide receiver. This has been their MO on the offensive line outside of Joe Tooney. They've gotten younger at linebacker. They didn't bring back Anthony Hitchens on a cheap deal to be a backup. They're going to try and get younger. I'd have to assume maybe in the draft with a you know a fourth rounder, a seventh rounder, they're going to fill it out with, with younger guys. Same thing at cornerback. 
This is why I don't think they're going to bring in a big name corner, right? Yeah. This is the way I'm thinking. They have a game plan, whether you like it or not. This was the way they're going to go. So Tyron Matthew probably saw the writing on the wall on the wall all season long. But weren't they in contract discussions last year? Weren't there some inklings of potentially them wanting an extension? I I thought I remember hearing that sometimes. So obviously they wanted him back at some price. But when you when you think you're worth this, the team thinks you're worth this. At some point, that middle ground. You're never going to get to it. Yeah. Do you think that is is Tyron being patient? I mean, because now at this point we're we're at a month. We're at one month between when March, when the free agency, when the legal tampering period for free agency began, and where we are right this second is about one full month of really a big nothing for Matthew. He had a he had a virtual visit with the Eagles, which I don't even know what that's about. And then you have New Orleans Saints you know, who he like hung out with their facilities, but the guy lived, I mean, the guy's always in New Orleans anyway. So it's not like even that didn't seem like a, the saints are very interested and officially brought him in for a workout and visit to sign him. It it felt even in the reports were more like, Hey, Tyron's hanging out, uh, you know, like Mickey Loomis and everybody at home. So what do you make of the amount of time? What do you make of the demands? Do you think Tyron's being patient and like, Hey man, I don't want to do any offseason works. I'm waiting until training no, camp. No, he, if I were him, I would be furious at my agent. I have to assume his agent goes, oh, Tyron, look at these accolades. Look at this. You're getting fucking paid. Yeah. He's not getting paid. I mean, that's what it came down to. If I were Tyron Matthew, I probably would be furious at my agent because there's no way Tyron Matthew had a number in place and his agent goes, no chance you're getting this. You're being stupid, right? His agent's out here going, I'm going to hype him up. If he gets paid more, I get paid more. It's a win-win scenario. That's what I think. I think his agent probably told him some numbers that he thought he was going to get. That market has never materialized because at this point, you're looking at the, I don't want to say bargain bin, but same situation with Jadavion and Clowney. Every single year, someone goes, Jadavion and Clowney's going to get the bag. He's going to get paid. Doesn't happen. Tyron Matthews is now in that boat. And I don't, I feel bad for him because I think he thought this was going to be his last big contract, a three-year contract. Is he now going to be getting these one-year, two-year max deals? Like, that's a real possibility. Like, he might not get more than a two-year offer, or maybe it's a three or four, but only two years the real contract, right? Like, that's a real possibility at this point. Yeah, it would surprise me to see if he just had to get, like, successive one-year deals until he's done. Um, And clearly, he's even already said, I picture myself in coaching after the fact. So it's going to be, at some point, he is just going to flip that switch and and be a man on the sidelines. I you, you just got to wonder. I mean, how does an agent misread the landscape so badly? Safe, some safeties got paid this offseason. And it wasn't just Justin Reed. So for for Matthew to be the last man standing when everyone has applauded him so greatly, how do you not have a home waiting? If they were just standing there thinking, we're going to let money bags come to us. It's just, it's bananas to me. It's bananas to me. And the piece that McDowell wrote and the interview that Tyron gave saying he was heartbroken, it made me feel bad for him. I mean, in as much as I feel bad for a guy who doesn't make as many millions as he could have made, right? Like it's all relative, but it made me feel bad for him and, and um, made me even more appreciate the scenario. And, and yeah, Tyron was a great player. It was a great run. And and I um yeah I, I feel for him in in a weird millionaire way. Sure, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, he 
was out there, right? He was a guy who would get in it with fans, occasionally the media, but he was entertaining and he was good. It's hard to deny that his first two years, especially in Kansas City, he was not an absolute difference maker. He was a big reason why the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. He helped turn that defense around. It's fair to say he can be one of the best, if not the best free agent signing in Chiefs history and say it's also time to move on. They're not mutually exclusive. At some point, it's the Chiefs want to get younger. They want to get more athletic. Maybe they don't want to deal with, um, I don't think this is necessarily the case, but some of the social media aspects of it. I'm not saying that's the reason you don't sign a guy, but maybe like, you know, it's getting obnoxious, right? We got to handhold him. We got to make yep. sure he's not on social media. We have to make sure he's not getting into it, you know, calling fans toxic. And at, at some point, I, I think that does play a factor. I wish Tyron Matthew the best. I really do. But maybe they saw some decline. That could be an issue too. Like they just, the Chiefs are deciding to take the high road, saying we're not going to offer him because we think he wants too much money. Um, but they also, in the back of their head, understood he's not as fast as he once was. His PFF grades, they're not good, right? And if he's going to start not putting his nose in there, he can yeah. say after the fact, after the season, well, because I don't think they're going to bring me back, but that's still a reason to not bring a guy back. If he's yeah. going to start playing Sherman Ultra Soft, you ain't paying for that. <laughs> Sponsor. <laughs> Honestly. Um, and Clint Deer in the comments says, Chiefs took the high road with him. Do not dog him in the press, but he was trouble this past season. I think it's a good point. I mean, at, at the very least, the Chiefs said all the right things, but then there was no action there behind it. They moved on to Justin Reed, and, and that's been that. I um, we, We've talked about this before. I don't like to double speak. I, you know, um, Veach, Reed, even Clark Hunt did not have to say everything they said in the press about Oh, yes, we want to sign him. We want him here for the rest of his career, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, okay. But wait a second. They did. Brett Veach said, if we have the money in place, they, they made it clear that it was a money situation. Well, they, that was they said say. that early on. Uh, okay, sure. Not early on, but before the legal tampering period started, right, when asked right, about right. Tyron Matthew, I, I distinctly remember Brett Veach coming out and basically saying, well, right. if we can make it the, the money scenario work, but – you know, there is a cap. No, they'll find a way to make it work. If they want to keep someone, they will find a way. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking, uh, you know, it was it was a full year. It was a full year that we listened to them publicly fawn over each other. And then for there not to be something was a little bit like, oh, okay, well, I guess one, one of you didn't mean what you said you did. And so, I, like, I wish some of that, it was needless. It was needless. A front office doesn't have to fawn over a player to sign him or not sign him. So anyway, but that's water under the bridge at this point. Yeah. So um, before we move on, just want to point out here, if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, please consider becoming a member of the AA family. Members get access to special emojis and loyalty badges you can use um, during our live YouTube streams, which are down today. Um, but we also have a private Discord channel where we all hang out. We talk uh, football, um, cereal choices, movies, books. Uh, favorite beers, all that. It's just a great community. It's a good time. Sterling, you're you're great. I love it. I I talk a lot of Major League Baseball, talk some NBA, talk beer a lot in the AA Tavern. Uh, Love talking books. I threw a riddle in there today. Let me see if Matt, do you you see it? The riddle? It was a good riddle. It was a good riddle. Dang. I I didn't know if you're going to see it or not. What starts with E, ends with E, 
It only has a single letter in it. It's an envelope. It's an envelope. I thought that was really creative, and someone just got it right away, and I was like, damn, I'm... It stumped me for hours. I'm sitting here like, what the fuck could it be? <laughs> well, if you uh, if you want to hang out, if you want to hear Sterling's riddles, etc., um, check the pop roast recipe, bison chili recipes. There's everything. There, in there. it is. Hey, we're also going to have a, a virtual happy hour coming up the week of the draft. I'm um, just hanging out with one another and and for special members only events. Uh, check out the link about joining in the description of wherever you get this podcast. We certainly appreciate your support. Uh, now on with more Chiefs news. I I, I, I threw this in here um, because it's not news news right now, but occasionally you'll see like stats float across in, on Twitter, social media, where it's like this Chiefs player has done this, and it just gives you new perspective on exactly how great or bad or whatever that player is. And CBS Sports just threw out this like list of here's the NFL's leaders in receiving yards since 2016. And it leads with a tight end, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey has 77 more receiving yards than anyone else in the last five full NFL seasons. Also on that list, like Devontae Adams uh, comes in after that. Um, Tyreek is not even on the list, by the way, in the top five. You have Julio Jones. DeAndre Hopkins and then Mike Evans of the Bucks rounding that out. I feel like I know already that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end. I feel like I know already that he's like like that it's a privilege for me to be watching Travis play week by week right now. And yet when I see that, I just think, have I fully recognized or understood just how incredible he is at and and what a what what a great thing it is to be able to root for a guy like that. Dude, it's absurd. It's truly asinine. It's too bad he didn't come in to the NFL earlier at a younger age and then he was hurt his first season because he yep. would be getting close to those counting numbers, right? The stretch yep. and the peak has been just untouchable. But when it comes to like the Tony Gonzalez, the longevity, that's going to be very difficult to get to the absolute top number, those receiving numbers. But it's just incredible. And I love people who are always like, well, what about blocking? Why would you want Travis Kelsey to block? Do you want Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara to go instead of running the ball and catching it out of the backfield to block instead? <laughs> like, it's asinine. I want Blake Bell to block. I want Travis Kelsey catching the rock. It's stupid. And then I love the people who are like, well, what about George Kittle if he was healthy? Well, no shit, Sherlock, if he was healthy, but that's part of playing football. Right? Like, you got to be healthy. Sammy Watkins is great. We know this in Kansas City. But dude couldn't stay healthy. Like, I I just get so frustrated. And I I do – there was a Chargers fan, very nice. We had a nice back and forth. Not even a back and forth. But he asked if – like, but what if Mark Andrews, you know, what if he had Mahomes throwing him the football? And I guess it's a fair point. But Mark Andrews has not done this long enough. Mark Andrews was the only guy also on the Ravens. You have to also take into account that Tyree Kill was taking away a large snap share or a large target share from Travis Kelsey. You have to take into account Travis was doing this with Alex Smith beforehand. Like, Travis Kelsey is a chameleon. I don't think it matters who is suiting up. I don't think it matters who the quarterback is. I do think Tony Gonzalez had that to an extent as well. He was going to get his numbers. He was that good. He finds a way to manipulate whoever is guarding him, get open, yak it up afterwards. We are witnessing greatness from from Travis Kelsey, and it's fair to 
talk about other tight ends as well. I just don't like the constant taking away what Travis Kelsey has done and playing this whole what if game with other guys. Yeah, he's he's a singular talent. It, we've we've really been privileged to see Tony because Tony was just redefined the whole position in the first place. I mean, I remember watching him just thinking the same thing, thinking the same thing. I'm lucky to be watching him week by week. And I feel that way about Travis too. We're lucky to be watching him. In response to this, and by the way, when someone says, what about George Kittle if he's healthy? The best response to that is, what about Tony Miwayaki if he's healthy? <laughs> um, so we'll throw that out there. Um, speaking of Travis Kelsey, because because um, here, let's get into the draft just a little bit here. We're going we're gonna to touch our toe in the water because I just think if I see a tight end go in the first second, third, or even fourth round in which the Chiefs have uh, two picks in each of those rounds. If Brett, Ve- want, if Brett Veach wants to pick a tight end in the seventh in which we have four picks, I will allow it. Other than that, hear me say this, Mr. Veach. Hear me say this very clearly. If you take a fucking tight end, um, really, I shouldn't say it that hard. <laughs> I'm sure if you pick a tight end, he'd actually be quite good. Uh, I feel like I'd vomit. I feel like I'd vomit. I feel like I'd vomit in my mouth if I saw a tight end. And I just wonder what you think of this, because here's what I think. Even if you say, oh, the Chiefs already grabbed a wideout. They already grabbed a corner. They already grabbed a defensive tackle, right? Even if you say they've already grabbed one of each of those, I still don't want a tight end because the bottom line is like the need is here for two or three defensive ends, for two corners, for, for one or more wide receivers, for a right tackle, for a defensive interior, for like, like at this point, trying to grab someone to pass the torch for the moment when Travis Kelsey might hit the wall is such a luxury for a team that has so many holes to fill that if I see a tight end come across the board, I just feel like I'm going to throw a television. Do you feel the same way? And if not, please defend yourself. Well, well you do know Brett Veach loves his luxury picks. The whole Clyde Evans Lair situation. Sorry, I had to get that in there. I was in the same boat as you when I said any position except for running back. Well, we know how that happened. It's a sunk cost. I'm fucking over it. I get it, but I'm still heated. <laughs> um, no, with, with tight end, I, I wouldn't be furious if it was in the fourth round. I wouldn't be up in arms. I wouldn't be happy because I do think Travis Kelsey, though, still has a few years left. I think Jody Fortson showed enough before he got hurt to say, hey, this might be a legitimate guy here. We we might have something on our hands. He was a mismatch. He was a problem. Then he got hurt. So we'll see what happens post-injury. And you just spent uh, a fifth rounder on Noah Gray. Noah Gray is supposed to be your, I don't want to say Travis Kelsey replacement, but he was – you know, a receiving first tight end. Yeah. It's going to take time to develop. It wasn't just a, oh, he's he's a fifth round tight end, plug and play. No, it's going to take time for him to develop. I don't see where on the roster you spin that draft pick and think all of a sudden he's making it or he's now kicking. He's going to be that much better than Jody Fortson. Because if you, if you draft him, he has to be that much better than Noah Gray or that much better than Jody yep. Fortson or Blake Bell or whoever else Blake is going Bell's to be the, the, the blocking tight end, right? Because you have to have a blocking tight end. So I, I wouldn't be furious in the fourth round, but he better be someone that you're like, all right, this guy is going to be the guy in two years. Or this guy, we're, we just we couldn't pass him up. That's the only situation where I can see that happening. If you see one in the second or the third, what no. do you think? No, I would be 
Again, I don't know if I'd be like furious and up in arms. I would have to wait for the Brett Veach explanation, right? I would ha- I'd wait for that, but it would be a head scratcher for sure because, again, I'm really comfortable with Travis Kelsey, healthy Jody Fortson. Again, I want to know what his health is like. I think Noah Gray can be something. And then I like Blake Bell is fine in those scenarios when he is used to be a blocker, when he is. Again, I don't mind when he's using those quarterback sneaks situations because they will not use Mahomes and QB sneaks. As dumb as that is, I hate that. It was a freak injury. Odds are it's not going to happen again. Tom Brady's made a career, and that dude's ancient. He was around with the dinosaurs, and he's not getting it, getting hurt on QB sneaks. <laughs> but if you're going to use someone outside of Mahomes, Blake Bell makes sense because he did play QB at Oklahoma, and I think he has a decent understanding of what to do in that scenario. You're saying that Tom Brady was around during the German purity laws, beer laws of 15, 16? I think Tom Brady actually created the German purity laws of 15, 16. I think that was part of his legacy. That's how he met Giselle, I think. I That's a, that's a good bet. That's a good bet, my friend. Uh, Randy Ellenberger says, absolutely not. Wasting a pick on a tight end this year would not be smart. Our four tight ends will do just fine. Could not agree there more. Let's move on here because a bit of free agency news. There's there's no signing, right? There's no signing at all. But let me, let me ask you this. Melvin Ingram today spent the day in South Florida. Maybe he's hanging out with uh, Tyreek Hill. I don't even know. Yeah, just want to throw out there. What do you think about Melvin hanging out in Miami? Maybe he's got a, a, a party with Pitbull. Maybe he's seeing Tyreek's new digs. Don't know what's going on. Um, but, yeah, just wanted, like, are you worried about Melvin going elsewhere? I mean, if you're that worried about Melvin Ingram at his age going elsewhere, that just shows the dire straits you are in at edge for Kansas City, right? I mean, you, you suck a whole bunch of money for nothing there, right? Please tell me you got that reference. That was really, really cheesy and bad. Um, it was a Dire Straits money for nothing reference. Uh, Sorry. I, I thought of all people you were going to pick up on it. That I one know, hurt my soul just a little he got bit. got chicks for free. That's the way you do it, though. That's the way you do it. If you are that worried about Melvin Ingram going to Miami, that just shows how poor the scenario is at edge for Kansas City. I just don't think he's going to sign before training camp starts, right? He does not want to do training camp. He does not want to do OTAs. He's going to sign when he's good and ready. I could see him signing right before the preseason starts. I'd be disappointed if he went to Miami, right? I would be disappointed because I think he does have a useful role here in Kansas City, and I think that he knows that. I think he probably understands that his best playing time, his chance for the most impact is going to come in KC because you go to Miami, there's other guys down there. You come to KC, he might be the best edge guy here. Yeah. Like, he might be better than Frank Clark. Like yeah. If he wants playing time, which he said was a big deal and why he left the Steelers, then Casey's got to be the number one option. Well, that's a great point when you say that about him leaving uh, the Steelers. At this point, he's got some leverage, right? He knows the fix that the Chiefs are in. So if he wanted something from the Dolphins, what he could do is say, give me a million more and, and I'll sign before the draft. A team like the Dolphins, uh, let's not forget where we're at in the NFL schedule, right? Right now, the Chiefs and probably several other teams um, are going to have free agent visits to have – uh, to know what they can do on the open market if certain players do not come through in the draft. So, for example, what the Dolphins might be doing right now is kicking the tires at defensive end in the open market to see if, what if we don't grab a guy on the open market, 
you know, in, in, like or in the draft, then we know we can turn to Ingram on the open market. So, yeah, I, I don't like it. Right now we have Frank Clark, Joshua Kando, and Michael Dana at the position. It, like, it, it's just a – it's a void. I don't know what you think of this, but, but I, like, I know we're going to add draft picks. I know it's not over yet, but it just sucks. Dude, it's two scoops of ass at edge, dude. You and I, let's suit up, pal. We can get on each other's shoulders in a large trench coat. Like Muppet Man. Like the Muppets going – stacking on top of each other so they can go get a bank loan look like a real person it's you and animal and rolf and me and on a serious on a serious note again this probably means the chiefs are going younger and more athletic here on a serious note brett veach has a game plan in place it's not like brett veach is some boob who's out here saying i have no idea what i'm doing at edge i'm just winging it no he has a plan in place and it's probably going to be a lot of edge picks it's going to be developmental guys um getting younger, getting cheaper. The, the rest of the AFC West went all in for this year, right? They went all in. The, yeah. the Chiefs are saying, we want to have a long-term window. So I understand what he's doing. It might not be as lucrative this upcoming season, but for the long-term, this is the way to go. But here's what I don't like. They have, a, like, not only did they have a window, but they had, a, like, a wide-open window for this year, right? So when you say, oh, it's good for the long-term window – I guess I'm thinking, well, but the window is always going to be open with Mahomes, and the window was wide open for this year. So when you when you allow your defensive heart and soul to leave, when you trade away your most dynamic offensive weapon, clearly the roster right now is at a much worse pace than it was even last year. And And even when you free up cap money, you trade the guy who gives you cap money two weeks after everyone's already signed. So, oh, I'm glad we got cap money to sign – Jermaine Carter and Dion Bush. I'm so glad you freed up that money to sign to sign third and fourth guys down the depth chart to, to round out the roster. I'm so glad we signed Taylor Stallworth uh, with that money that we freed up instead of like two weeks before maybe being in on somebody because we knew what we were doing. There's a sense this offseason, it feels reactive to me. This offseason feels reactive instead of proactive to me, and that bothers me. Sure, and that's the main, I think, talking point is the timing of a lot of these moves. That's the issue I probably have more than anything is the timing. Yeah. The moves themselves, I think you can have a lot of nuance with because the Patriots did similar things for a long time. I know not everyone's going to have these 20-year-long dynasties. I know Tom Brady took all these discounts. I understand all of the other nuances that go into that. But they always went through three to four year windows and they weren't always the best team in the NFL every single season. The best team in the NFL doesn't always win the Super Bowl. I said it last year. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. The Bengals were not the best team in the AFC last year. No one outside of Cincinnati is sitting here telling you that they're better than the Chiefs, the Bills, or at least normal of sound mind and body are saying that. Yeah. You don't have to be the best team. You have to be in contention. You have to be very good. And one of the top, I don't know, say seven, top five. The Chiefs are still a top three favorite to win the Super Bowl next year. It's not like they're a bunch of bums. There's still a lot of talent on this roster. Well, let's talk let's talk about this perception. And well, let's let's do let's do that in a second. Let's answer a couple questions from the chat. Chris Dishman asks, Will this make KC draft an edge in the first round? Like, does that feel like an automatic to you? Let's hope so. I would also not be shocked if they stayed at 29 let's just say they stay at 29 and 30 
let's say Devontae Wyatt of Georgia is available at 29. I think they draft him, the interior lineman from, from Georgia. I don't know if he's there or not, but if he is, I think the Chiefs get him. Then maybe they go wide receiver at 30. Like, that's a real possibility. If they go interior D-line, a wide receiver at 29 and 30, that means edge in the second round. Yeah. I, I would have to assume edge is the first priority, but if there's just that guy, if there's yeah. that dude that's just that talented, I think they go after because they do have multiple holes. Edge is the biggest need, but there are some other needs as well. Interior line, um, if you want to say right tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, it, there, there's some areas that they could improve at. Yeah, that's for sure. We're, we're talking about just how good the Chiefs are. Rich Eisen today um, came out with his top teams in the AFC. The list reads like this, and I'd love to get your take on this, Sterling. Number one, the Buffalo Bills. Number two, the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, that sounds reasonable. The Super They just went to the Super Bowls. So of course, they deserve the right to say the AFC goes through them. Number three, the Las Vegas Raiders. Number four, the L.A. Chargers. Number five, the Kansas City Chiefs. What like do you throw this list away? Do you think yeah throw it away? Yeah, it? Rich Eisen, you're not getting rich. He's not putting money down. I could guarantee you, there's no chance in hell Rich Eisen is putting money on the Raiders to beat Kansas City. No, no? chance. No chance. Do you, you think do Rich you Eisen's s- blowing smoke so that we share this list in the first place? One hundred percent. You always have to throw in that one team, and this team has two: Chargers <laughs> and the Raiders. And honestly, I think the Bengals. I think any person's going to put if you're actually betting money on who's going to have a better season next year, the Bengals or, or the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I yeah. get it. It's not just because we talk about them and we see them every single game. It's because we know Mahomes is better than Joe Burrow. What does Joe Burrow do better than Mahomes? Like, nothing, maybe nothing. maybe more maybe more accurate on 50-50 jump balls. Like, I like Joe Burrow a lot, and I think he's really underrated. I said it. I think he's going to be the new Drew Brees of this era of quarterbacks. Nothing against Joe Burrow. He's just not as good as Mahomes or Josh Allen, for that matter. I'm fine with him putting the Bills because I think the Bills are going to be an absolute juggernaut this upcoming season. I truly believe that. Do you think they're the number one team in the AFC? If I was putting money on it for best record, for best record, I'd put the Bills because the Chiefs in the AFC West, they might beat up on each other. The Bills have a relatively easy schedule. So I would I would say Bills might have the better regular season record, but come playoff time, that's really tough. The Chiefs have so, been to four straight AFC championship games, right? Betting yeah. against that, you're just basically saying, look at me, look at me. I want to do the sexy thing. I want to be the the contrarian. Let me do something different. That's what you're saying. So you are not as phased as other people by the trade of Tyreek Hill and what that does to to this team's ability to compete in the AFC. Look up the numbers when Tyreek Hill was out. If you saw those, you would not be as worried. Again, I'm not saying Tyreek Hill is not a generational type player. I'm not saying that the Chiefs offense might take a step back this year, but it's going to look different. It's going to be different. Not as much cover two, I'd have to assume. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS are nice additions. They found a way to get um, Miko Hardman involved late last year in roles that fit him well. They added Ronald Jones Jr. as a power back to go with an incredible offensive line. Look at me talking about running backs. I, I, just, I, I think that they're going to be a different looking team. They might not be quite as traditionally explosive, but it doesn't mean they're going to just all of a sudden fall off a cliff. I think those people are just asinine. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think, I, I think Eisen's list is silly. I, I like the Bills. 
I think they're a good team. I don't think they're as good as everyone makes them out to be. I think the Chargers are better than what people are giving. Like, I love the additions. They're cursed. they're cursed. They are cursed. But I love their additions. I love their attempts to get better, at least. I, to me, the Raiders are the worst team in the AFC West. So it doesn't occur to me, even when I read the list, I was like, well, at least put the Broncos there. I mean, I mean, the, the, like if you're going to, if you're going to like take some AFC West team and make something out of them, <laughs> the Raiders are the worst of the two. I, I, I just don't get it. Also, let's not forget the Baltimore Ravens were about as injured as any other team mm. in NFL history last year and still managed to like put up a fighting chance to like make the postseason. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be, Look, the whole AFC, the whole AFC is going to be ridiculously tough next year. Um, Rich Eisen putting the Raiders at number three on that list is a little silly. Want to look at a was couple? Was it Derek Carr's here. brother? Was it David Carr? David Carr. Like yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I, one thing was David Carr, but yeah, uh, whatever. Maybe Rich Eisen is David Carr. Maybe maybe it's like a. a have you ever seen him in the same place twice? I haven't. Whatever. Or together. Anyway, David David S. says, Spagnuolo's defense is so complex that it will take new defensive players half the season to grasp the schemes. Once they do, they're very effective. But is this worth risking half the season's games on a shaky defense? What do you think of that? As long as you make the playoffs, I'm okay. And I understand the concerns there. That's a very fair point, David. I, I'm with you. It's Spags' defensive schemes are very, very convoluted. They're difficult. It, it takes a lot of time for players to grasp them. But it also can confuse other teams later on in the season, right? If teams are thinking, oh, okay, the Chiefs can't do this well. They struggle here. Well, they pick it up. What happens? The, the year they won the Super Bowl, they struggled defensively for a lot of that season. Then they became elite for like six straight games. Yeah. So as long as they're hot at the right time, I'm okay. It's rare when teams are just incredible defensively for 20, yeah, 20 games now, right? If you're counting the 17 games, then the playoffs, like that's difficult. You just got to be hot at the right time. Uh, and again, they're trying to get more athletic. That's what they're trying to do. They're basically saying, we're going to probably rely more on athleticism than we are on being, I guess, mentally sound. Maybe that's what you want to say, you know, as far as the veteran presence, you know how people love to say, oh, he has that veteran presence. He won't make that big mistake. We saw Dan Sorensen make so many big mistakes last year. <laughs> if that's your veteran presence, then I don't know what to tell you. They're, they're trying to get younger, more athletic to basically stop those big plays. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, Here's the thing. Don't forget last year, the story, like the story of a team changes over the season, just like what you said. So early on, the defense was horrible, and the defense comes together. It wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs went young to begin with, with young guys, let them grow. And at the NFL's trade deadline, you could always add the pieces that you need if the story's not going like you want. So it's something to think about there. Um, but anyway, screw the Raiders, whatever. Uh, yeah, screw the Raiders. That, that's something we can all agree on. Screw the Raiders. Uh, I do want to read a review from Bush underscore 97. Uh, it says, love the show. Great show. These guys show their passion for KC while being real and not incredibly biased. 
Finally, a show that doesn't have three guys all agreeing with each other and keeps it real. Probably, uh, side note for me, not him, probably because Patrick and I were getting into it when you were gone. When you were gone, Matt, Patrick Allen and myself had a heated discussion about everything. I don't think we agreed on a single thing. It was very, very fun. Uh, and now back to uh, the review. Question to you all. Talk about, like, pizza? Were you talking about like your disgusting pizza habits? Oh, you're, you're correct. I guess we also disagree on our pizza habits. Honolulu Hot Lips. TM. <laughs> Uh, back to the review question to all. If you had to create an all time chiefs receiver core one through five, who Ooh. would it be? Do you want to go first? Sure. Also, thank you. For the review, uh, uh, Bush underscore 97. Thank you. That was very nice and kind of you. We really appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And anyone else out there, you know, we, uh, we, we love your reviews. If you want to leave us a review, um, you know, and, and put an answer in that, uh, or put a question in your review, we're, ha- we're happy to answer it on the air. Uh, it's a great way to get one to us. My all time chiefs receiving core. Yeah. Like I'd love to be able to say like Otis Taylor, but I'm not old enough to have seen Otis Taylor. Um, so for me, it's Tyreek Hill would have to be a part of that. I feel like I want Dante Hall in there just because like at the, like, I don't want him catching passes. I want him catching returns, but he was like, so fun that like, I just feel like I need to like mention him in this like category. I loved Derek Alexander when he was with the team. Um, I got to go Dwayne Bow just cause he was like the best during a horrible stretch of time. Who else would be up there? Who's on your, who's on your top five? So my five is Tyreek Hill, the yep. all-around guy. Yep. Dwayne Bow, obviously. You have to have Dwayne Bow. Yep. The Chiefs don't really have a ton of historically great wide receivers. This is no, it, it was not the easiest list to create. So you go five receivers over a history of a team that's you know been historically great. Uh, it's not super easy. I, I do have Otis Taylor because I think you do have to put the great in there, even if he's before our time. You have to respect the greatness that was Otis Taylor. For sure. For sure. For four, I went Eddie Kinnison. And I know that might draw some ire from Chiefs fans, but I really liked Eddie Kennison. When I was growing up, that was the guy. Eddie Kennison was like the number one guy for Kansas City. So I got to throw Eddie in there. And I really wanted to say Jeremy Macklin, but Mm -hmm. I I just, I went back and forth between three guys. Jeremy Macklin, Dante Hall, but Dante Hall as a returner, which I don't know if that's in the spirit of the question because it said receivers. So I, 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 if that's the case, I took Dante out, and it came down to Jeremy Macklin and Andre Bad Moon Risen. That one year, <laughs> one good year, was really, really good. So I'm with Andre Risen as my number five. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I'll copy you. That sounds good. Oh, dude. See, that's what the guy was talking about. Bush right. said we disagree. Stephon Page, Mark okay. Bo Rigther, <laughs> J.J. Burden, Demarcus Robinson. <laughs> Gary Dieter and Gary Dieter. done done Samuel L. Watkins uh, John Baldwin was that one catch Snoop Menace Sylvester Morris these are all like for- John Baldwin former first round picks that never made it okay but John Baldwin's one catch that one catch may be the best catch I've ever seen do you remember watching him um, train do you remember his like it's like 2 a.m. and I'm running like through my neighborhood training for the season videos. Do you remember this? No. He would like, it would like, he's like, it's like, it's like 3 a.m. middle of the night and I'm running. And everyone was like, yeah, you get it, badass. You're going to be great this year. <laughs> and it turns out the only thing he was good at was like running in the middle of the night. It was just the worst. Anyway, yeah, bad news. Hopefully we've been better than John Baldwin. Maybe not. Maybe we're, <laughs> maybe we're one good catch. 
or uh, or or uh, AJ Jenkins material over here. I don't know. However, no matter whether we're good or not in your eyes, somehow you're with us, listening, watching, even through. I know we've had some technical issues today with YouTube and elsewhere, but we, like always, so appreciate anyone who spends any amount of time with us at all. You guys are just the the best. Chiefs fans are just the best in general. You guys are the best corner of Chiefs fans out there. My name is Matt Connor. Sterling Holmes is... uh, yeah, he's a good guy to know. I like him. Anyway, we're so glad you're hanging out with us. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday um, with Patrick Allen, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Other, until then, go Chiefs. Go Royals, too, by the way. Bobby. Let's Witt go, Jr. baby. I'm getting a Bobby Wood Jr. tattoo across my chest tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you next time. Go Chiefs. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.